0: At Lucky California, we understand that some days feel like a race, and grocery carts don't make the best race cars. That's why we offer home delivery powered by Instacart. It's fast, race car fast. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour. That means all the groceries you love us for, like fresh produce, fresh baked bakery items, quality meat and seafood, and more. Get delivered right to your door. Place your order at shop.luckysupermarkets.com. Lucky California, the golden state of eating
1: what's up y'all i'm amanda seals and listen i get it we're in some serious times, so i think some of y'all forgot i'm a comic. she had them jokes i mean you forgot i had a whole hbo comedy special Ivy. Ivy. you forgot i showed love to how black women give compliments okay polka dots <laughs> and shade to how white women move in corporate america stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn I get it we've been cooped up for a long time that's why the amanda seals black outside again comedy tour is coming to a city near you go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together
0: how black am i gonna have to get you want to know what the difference between you and me is what we could start at the penis or we could just scream, "I don't give a fuck," and see who means it. it it's Mormon and the Method. <laughs> <What> the <fuck? laughs> if you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Let's listen to them talking to.
1: trying to come up with a life experience most of your life experiences I can attribute or I can connect in some fashion to I guess that's not true Uh, that's the thing that's so fascinating about you is that you have so many uh, interesting things that I've never encountered in my life but I always try to relate when I'm talking to someone I try to relate my own personal life experience and because i've had a lot of uh, life experience and feelings and stuff i can usually connect somewhat and one thing that i can't relate to that i have been thinking about a lot lately is the loss of identity it's one of the most interesting things to me about ex-mormons because it's not because the things because love and marriage and sex were synonymous and how that, how that loss and the divorce you experienced as something much deeper than just a divorce because of that religion, but also people leaving that re- religion. I'm so interested in hearing them talk about their
0: experiences. Yeah, you like it when we go to people's houses. I love see. it.
1: It's so interesting to me. I, I feel like I've been led into a a, a society that I uh, knew nothing about. And, and and I love listening to different ex-Mormons talk about when we went to that, uh, those people's house the other night, mm-hmm. listening to them talk about uh, how it was for them. And then the conversation when they both had been thinking about leaving a little bit for a while and then having to have that conversation and stuff like that stuff is also interesting to me. But then the aftermath of it and just on the ex-Mormon Reddit and stuff, I, I watched like it's, it's you call it transitioning
0: i mean when we leave yeah, yeah 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 it's
1: this whole There's, other thing this mm-hmm. loss of identity and i have nothing to relate that to because I, I i am i have a different i've never done anything for more than a few years i've never had one identity that i didn't just since i was a little kid i uh never planted roots in anything or anywhere or with anyone that lasted for any significant period of time. So, I, I it's, it's something that I can't, I can, I can look at it and, and, and comprehend the impact. And I think that this is a thing in my life that I have either celebrated about myself at some points and other times felt. Uh, am I of even real? You know, like it, it, I have friends that I've had for a long time because of the Internet. You know, I don't I don't let friendships go down in flames, but I have uh, very, very close friends for for a few years at a time. And then I just become this other thing or I move across the country and just start over again. And if I've if I've settled into something, I get kind of restless. And
0: what's the longest friendship you've had?
1: Where we stayed?
0: Yeah, like someone that you're in. Well, I don't know. You tell me.
1: I guess uh, my friend, my best friend, Georgie, on meth. You know, because that was a full six years. Um, and
0: what happened uh, when you got clean with Georgie? I mean,
1: yeah, he just you know he didn't yet is now
0: do you uh i mean i know i've heard other uh people in recovery talk about you got to leave behind all your friends uh and i know we touched on it before did did you leave all your friends
1: i did i moved across the country and i think did we get into this yeah Yeah, how sad it was in Mm -hmm. leaving we got into it uh how hard it was for me to accept that those weren't my friends so then i became best friends like best friends like in like i have these insanely close friendships this one was probably a little bit codependent uh, which one my best friend chrissy who is same birthday as you
0: oh yeah you told me about her
1: and um we were just like f- freshly clean she moved into my parents house and we worked together and we were inseparable i remember it was very painful when she got a boyfriend mm. and i mean jason had already moved to, but this was like a an inseparable friendship and then i got promoted at work she went to work somewhere else she moved in with her boyfriend and it was almost a bre- it wasn't a breakup we were we're still you know we're still friends like there's we're like family my family considers her family she comes to to birthday parties and stuff like but that that day-to-day closeness uh it was a few years and then i moved and then it was something that we tried to we tried to get back but it's almost like i just switched timelines and but identity especially uh, depending on who i'm sure as time goes on and we travel around the country i'll introduce you to old friends of mine and you'll find that the ones you know it's like an era of my life that it was like oh yeah that's that was super christian jessa oh yeah that was tweaker jessa oh yeah that was uh that was jessa that was on this kick
0: yes yeah, so wait all right so we've got Aside from childhood, uh, which I mean, I feel like there were points where you were uh, a regular child, and then a point where you were like a dog child, yeah, and uh, you had several <laughs> All you had, of like, my
1: friends were woodland creatures. Yeah, <laughs>
0: you were a feral child. Um, then I mean, then you were like teenage mom, yeah. right? You were you were married and mom. Well,
1: no, I was like wanna be gangster, oh, uh, shit, criminal, yeah. criminal teenager, criminal in and teenager, out of mental
0: hospitals. Uh, yeah.
1: And then, uh, wait, did
0: we we cut the other? It was in the, the second parenting episode that we talked about the fucking bus driver story. Is no, that we was still, in the
1: second acid episode. No, I
0: know, but then, uh, in Burbank or whatever, we recorded stuff and I made you retell the story. Oh, did you? And then oh, I you think did, that got and we cut got as cut well. That? Fuck. Uh, All right, well, hold on. Then there was a period of time where you were. Raising your own uh, sister-daughter of incest. Uh, <laughs> have we not told that story? No. Okay. Can you please tell well, that yeah, story? I need to clarify now. All we'll right. get back to all this other uh, identity shit later. This is the funniest fucking okay. story.
1: So I was a compulsive liar when I was... A- we could do an entire episode of <gasps> compulsive lies that I've told. Okay. Should we just do that? Go for it. Just start right. with this big one, though. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, because did we tell the the skating rink? Was that an acid one or two?
0: Skating rink we told. Okay. And you were like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. Was the first time you'd ever drink beer. You're like, oh, I've got a problem. <laughs> my Your poor, poor dad. dad.
1: Uh, another thing that I did a lot was make my dad look like a child molester. I was... Uh, I was obsessed with Teenage motherhood And I had to ride Like a short bus to my day hospital Which was like a mental hospital that I went to school at
0: I thought you were, I mean, yeah, I mean, you told me that, I just imagine you were going to a regular school the whole time. No. You're being driven, is there anyone else on the bus? Yeah,
1: like a couple kids.
0: There's, so just there's just a few kids on aru- the bus. Around
1: the city, and then I would sit just directly behind the bus driver, and I carried a picture of my little sister when she was a baby in my pocket, and would always just like put it in the bus driver's face and be like, this is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Man, rough night, rough night taking care of my daughter, uh, and I'm how, like f- how, how, 14. 14? 40- So she's like, you're 14. I was like, yeah, yeah, it was rape.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Why did you make it? I I just
1: felt like it was more believable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, it was rape. (laughs) You know how it goes, Diane.
1: (laughs) I like how everyone is Diane. Everyone's Diane. (laughs) So I'm just like, uh, we just get in, just get in the bus every morning and give her this casual uh, journal of my life as a teenage rape baby mother. <laughs> uh.
0: So then,
1: but it's Delaware. So then she's at the bar where my stepmom works, and she's like, "Oh, you're Jessica's daughter, do- a stepmom." Man, she's I can't believe that she. Uh, She's, she's so brave. She's so brave. She manages to go to school uh, and still take care of that uh, little rape baby. <laughs> and my parents are just exasperated by my bullshit at this point. Like, uh, I mean, I am being and You're driven. only 14. they already yeah. so tired. Oh, God. It was just endless. I think me.
0: I told my first lie at 14.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I was born lying. And so my stepmom's like, what? And she's like, yeah, a little blonde hair, uh, pigtails. And she's like, that's my daughter. And then I had to get like... You raped Jessica? <laughs> 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 I alerted the uh, authorities. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was endless uh, bullshit. Did I t- tell the story about singing You Can't Hurt Me Now?
0: Yes, we've told you. Yeah, yeah, we've told that one. Okay. And when I finally read the lyrics to that Madonna song, that, that was like, "Holy shit, your yes, poor dad, my poor dad, your poor dad." Also, like at the, the bus driver, like you're so brave, Jessica's so brave, going to school and take, but yeah, well, going to going to uh, mental hospital school <laughs> <laughs> and taking care of that rape baby.
1: Oh, so I did have. <sighs> so I had that phase. I loved that mental hospital school by the way mm. it was the best and they Well, you me
0: in it. I have a friend uh well I've got two friends they're uh, a married couple uh I met them at byu and they the the wife works in a not a mental hospital but a place for troubled girls mm-hmm. and uh so my friend told me like when he listened to the episode about where you talked about like, you know, wanting to get, to act out so you get tied down, so you'd have that attention, so you have you know, all that stuff that yeah. you loved. He was he wanted he immediately shared the podcast with her because she works with girls like that. Yeah. And I mean that's a the that job takes a toll on you, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's hard. And she knows girls that were that are just like you were. Yeah. And he wanted to show her like he wanted to show her an example that of someone that, that turned out could, okay. Yeah, that one day that they, they'll grow up they, and drink their pee. Yeah. It was like, you know, she uh, she she made it. She's all right. She's uh, uh, adjusted. I didn't say well adjusted, but <laughs> she's adjusted. She's not getting tied down every day anymore. And uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, more examples. I just compulsively compulsively lied and made stuff up to get... That's how I started doing stand-up. I was was at a work... I had been going to open mics because Dustin was very funny. Was super funny. And I was trying to get him to do stand-up. Yeah. I'm like 21. And he... Uh, was too big of a puss to get on stage. And oh, And then he started going to play basketball on Monday nights, and I was just going to the open mic by myself because our marriage was, the fault, you know. Was, was he garbage.
0: playing basketball at church? No, we'd left Dang. the church by this point. Okay, all right.
1: And uh, and Mormons so, know what I'm talking about. And so I just was going to open mics. So then I'm at a work party one night, and I'm being funny. I have just. Uh, Taken over the table, talking about how I had invented spray diaper ointment, which just meant I had the idea for spray
0: diaper ointment. Wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> was your was your first routine a, a Shark Tank <laughs> sales pitch, and you were crushing with it? You're like, <laughs> I was just, I was, I was so funny talking about how to change a baby's diaper with this uh, new invention. I, no, All I need is, is twenty thousand.
1: The work dinner. I had come up with the idea for spray diaper ointment because I was tired of trying to get diaper ointment on my daughter's uh, rashes, which now I know it's just because I was putting the wrong kind of diapers on her. So then I went to the Invention Submission Corporation and they were like, you have to give us a bunch of money. So then I did a poor man's patent and then I just talked constantly, which is just you mail yourself the idea. And allegedly, if somebody comes up with that idea and you have the sealed envelope, you have some rights to it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's this, <laughs> this is shit that people believed before the internet existed. Okay. But so I would make people sign like an NDA on a napkin. I told lit- fucking everybody about it because then it just became like a thing that I talked about. So I'm at this table and I'm being uh, hilarious. Look. Wait a minute. <laughs> talking about spraying diaper ointment and I'm making everybody sign <laughs> these pizza napkins. <laughs>
0: They just, just have the letters NDA on it. <laughs> That's all it says. NDA and their signature. And it's right above. Like, uh Tony's pizzeria.
1: <laughs> so you're like,
0: Tony, you signed this NDA. <laughs> Everyone. But I want to make a spray uh, diaper ointment. <laughs> Tony, I have I literally have your name on a napkin that says NDA, <laughs> so you are fucked. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
1: By the way, uh, I don't know how people are liars in two thousand and eighteen. I'm so glad that I got to get uh to be full of shit before the internet came out. Mm-hmm. It would be so miserable for me to have to like uh so anyway, you could just say anything back then. You could just say anything people had <laughs> to take your word for it. It was a fucking fantastic time to be alive <laughs> so um anyway i'm crushing i'm very I'm very outgoing and charismatic before I started doing drugs. I'm crushing at this table, and everybody's like, "You're so funny." And I said, yeah, well, I do stand-up, which meant I went to stand-up, because that's that's how those... You were going to
0: went. open mics, but you never performed. Right. I
1: had no intentions of ever performing. I had no idea I could do stand-up. <laughs> so then the next day... So there's a Monday... So this must have been like a Sunday or Saturday. So then on Monday, when we're all leaving work... By the way, this job was just driving vans around uh, town, and... Uh, we would set up a little tent at gas station parking lots and promote Marlboro cigarettes. And then hmm. there was a guy named Barfboro. who <laughs> 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 would come to a counter campaign and you had to like get trained in how to deal with Barfboro. <laughs> uh,
0: was his counter campaign like, uh, like don't smoke smoking is bad or is <laughs> yeah. it just against marlboro it was it's like he's got camels
1: i mean we were the one doing the campaign this company just did campaigns for we would give out merch and shit mm-hmm. i think this is all super illegal now but uh but it was a big deal of barf Burrow- <laughs> 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 why did i not really talk tell- funny that <laughs> that's- that's right uh so um, one time I that's left. That's what
0: you guys nicknamed him, right?
1: No, that's he. Sh- he had like merch. That said
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
1: And he would just show up and you know fuck your day up because we would have people like fill out their address and stuff so we could mail them shit and then they could get uh like a, I don't, yeah some t-shirts, t-shirts or, or whatever. yeah
0: marble t-shirt how uh, would this guy fuck your day he up he
1: would show up and do like a counter campaign right next door but i never got to see barf world cuz the day that he showed up to our campaign i had snuck it was me and another guy and i had snuck off to do something else <laughs> and i got caught because i uh because Barferall showed up and you're supposed to pack up and leave if he shows up. Uh-huh. And I had left what was this kid's name, whatever that fucking kid I worked with. Anyway, it's 400 bucks a week and like 98 was great money. Yeah, okay. And so, um
0: How much was Barferro getting paid? Do you think? <laughs> no, now you got to switch sides.
1: Uh, anyway, I almost got fired for that. So, we're at this worth this work dinner. I tell them that I do stand up the 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 Monday after that. Everyone's like, hey, we're going to come check you out tonight at Burbati's Pan. And so I had like hours, I think maybe. What's the name of this place? Burbati's Pan. You don't Bur- know. Where, that's in uh, Portland.
0: Oh, it's no. Like it just it's sounded crazy. like another Barfboro made up no. Uh, no. <laughs> name. I
1: think it means Satan's dick. Burbati's dick or something. Satan's dick. Okay. Uh, probably not. But so I I I write out some jokes. I get to the bar and my friends are already there, and I walk up to Randy to sign up for the open mic. And he's like, Oh, I didn't, I've seen you around. I didn't know you do stand up. I'm like, shh, shh.
0: <laughs>
1: And because I, I, I had to play it off like I'd been doing this. And yeah, like this yeah. wasn't my first open mic. I get hammered. Absolutely. Oh my God, hammered. I'm nervous
0: for you. Never invite, for anyone listening that's that thinking about doing stand up. Well, just, well, yeah, I, I know I you did. I think I said,
1: I do comedy at Verbadi's Pan, which is how you know that you don't actually do
0: comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. I was just out uh, in Salt Lake, and I met some new people, and one of them was someone who had just started doing stand-up, and he had just come from an open mic, and he had mentioned that he had a video of it. And then this girl who liked him was like what oh can i see that video of you and i and he was like oh well i I mean i don't know and i'm like kicking him under the table (laughs) and looking at him like no no dude, no, 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 do not, sh- do not. And he's like, you could watch it, baby, but just not when I'm there. And I'm like, do not, sh- do you want to fuck this girl? You do not show her a video of you at an open mic. First of all, n- no video of an open mic should ever be seen, ever. But just tips to people, if you're starting stand-up, you, everyone brings their friends right away. Yeah. And you shouldn't, God. do not do not tell your friends that you are doing stand-up until you're, you've you done it for two years. <laughs> like, do it for two years and then be like, uh, like like your story yeah. would have been w- would have been the right way to do it had it not been a total lie. Yeah, like just at work one day after you'd been doing stand-up for a long time, you casually mention that you do it. Then people come and they see you when maybe you're actually good. No one's good their no. first time. Oh, I was good. So I crushed.
1: What? I
0: crushed. What? What? what are you talking about? I
1: crushed. I don't remember it because I was drunk. Oh, of
0: course you crushed. I crushed. So then Always afterwards, winning.
1: everyone at work was like, oh my God, you're so good. But then afterwards, this guy comes up and he's like, hey, we need a token female for our comedy competition. They said token female because it was the 90s. Although uh, you're going to say because it was
0: 2015. but No. Uh,
1: so they didn't even, you didn't have to hide the sexism back then. So I do another open mic Tuesday night, Friday night. I I do the preliminary round. The next week I do two open mics in the preliminary round or and the semifinals, and the next week, so my ninth time on stage, I win the comedy competition against all of the local comics, and the prize
0: was how much time were you doing in this competition?
1: I think like six minutes. Man, I I. Uh, and I'm trying to remember if I wrote different se- I must have written different sets
0: for th- for each like was the competition several nights, yeah like it was, several, there several was sets? three
1: three weeks there so it was uh okay. and I had done some open mics so i I win, and then the prize was feature work for Tribble, which led to Pat Wilson. I got to go back and feature at this uh f- thing, and so I became a professional comedian my tenth my tenth time on stage I got paid. Uh, Mm. and it was within a month and, um, I, then I was hosting and the, the, the headliners would have to cover my time because I had 15 minutes written. So I must've done three different sets for that. And so, but then I was like a slut with a car. So all the, all the headliners were like, I'm going to take Jessa. So I was just (laughs) doing all these like triple runs over and over and over again. Um, but that's how, yeah, that's how I became a comedian was cause I was absolutely full of shit.
0: You think how you fucking change your, that speaking of stepping into a new timeline, yeah. uh, you were, you know, uh, Barf Burrow's nemesis one day yeah, and then the next day a professional comedian.
1: It's crazy how that lined up too. Cause that dinner was, uh, that dinner was celebrating the end of the season that that job only lasted for like four months. Mm hmm. And so I went straight into that. And then I have told I must have maybe already told this story because I that's how my marriage ended, too, because he was like uh, yeah. uh, humoring me, I guess, for the first three weeks during uh this like whirlwind thing that happened out of nowhere. And I mean, I knew I wanted to be an entertainer. I just and I loved stand up. I love stand up. I just didn't in a million years think I would be good at it. And so he uh, told me I couldn't do it. And I was like, all right, well, you can get fucked. And so my entire life changed like the next day I moved out and my whole life was different. And then I did that for a year and then I left and went and did meth. And then when I got clean for meth, I moved across the country. And What phases
0: did you go through uh, in that initial clean phase?
1: When I first got clean, it was so fun. Everything for me was a huge accomplishment that everyone was happy about. Mm-hmm. I had never tried to get clean. I have a relative right now trying to get clean and I feel so bad because it's...
0: You never even thought arrest. about getting clean until one day uh, at work, you just told your friends you were clean. And they were yep. like, what? And I, you're I like, did.
1: Yeah. I got clean. I was moving across the country, which was a kind of a spur of the moment decision. I just got sick of, sick of my boyfriend's shit. The relationship was garbage and... I had visited my dad for the first time in five years, a month before that, so I got on an airplane. I was on the airplane still planning on being on meth. I may have told this story yeah. before, too. And uh, so then I get I get to the... I quit meth. I get to the East Coast, and I uh, get into... I get a job within like a month that I love, and I... I get into recovery and then it's just this like cool. I'm 27, 28 and it's this cool social, uh, experience, fun, living like an adult who has, I had never done that before. You know, I had never been on my own and, and so that was cool. Did that for a couple of years, then moved back to Portland, did that for a few years, then moved back to Delaware. And then there was like a chunk of time where I did the mom thing. That was a pretty good, Mm-hmm. Chunk of time where I was just like domesticated, uh <laughs> figuring out ways to make recipes without gluten in them and, and <laughs> shit. Very uh very mommed out right before I met you, and then I just kind of reinvented again. And then last year, this time last year, I lived in Delaware, had no intentions of moving to LA. Wasn't even a thought in my head. I was getting ready for this is not happening. And then at This Is Not Happening, I was like, uh, oh, I need to move to L.A. And within six months, I...
0: Moved your whole family to L.A. Moved,
1: moved my whole family to L.A., separated.
0: Got a manager. From uh, Jason. And my entire
1: oh. life, my entire life is different now.
0: Mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, no, I've... I definitely... I mean, I moved... I probably went through fads as a kid... Well, I'm like, now I make car models and now uh, I'm into Star Wars. But uh, <laughs> I definitely had one identity, and yeah. it was a nice Mormon boy. Yeah. <laughs> that was me, man. I was always, I mean, just being growing up in Maryland and being like the only Mormon at my school was, I feel like ki- people knew me, knew that I was Mormon, sure. But uh, mostly it's, comes from home it comes from church just i was so there is a way to do religion casually there absolutely is there is even a way to do mormonism casually i just think that the way most mormons are the way that the the religion is set up and the way that the culture is they they it's it's your identity man it it influences every aspect of your life every aspect of your life is dictated by uh that identity and it was nice it's nice to have a a a thing that's 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 you that defines you that you feel safe in that you're like this is me and this is that you have all the answers you know uh you know uh, there's there's someone there to tell you what to do for everything you know and just like all your decisions, you got to go to God for all your decisions. They really encourage, you know, prayer, ask God what, what, what college you want to go to or who you should marry, for example, you know. Yeah. But you're praying to your Mormon God, and you're l- reading your Mormon prophets' words for advice and stuff. And it is, I don't know, it permeated my whole life. And so that's why for me, and again, there's Mormons that don't, that don't feel this way at all i don't give a fuck but for me it was so hard to leave because i was like this is me though who who am i if if this isn't true who everything i did was for for something that wasn't true like all the fucking decisions i made about what college i would go to although to be honest i probably still even even if you're not Mormon, consider going to BYU, man. $2,000 a semester? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Just and also, if you're not Mormon, holy shit, you can just do whatever you want and then not feel guilty about lying. <laughs> Like, I feel like if you if you uh, I'm so impressed with Andres who who lived by the honor code the whole time he was there, even though he's not Mormon. If I wasn't if I wasn't because there are a few non-Mormon kids at BYU. You right. Know? And uh, they have to sign an honor code still. They got to live by the same uh, what, rules. So
1: what is in the honor code?
0: The honor code is a bunch of stuff. The, that's about like honesty and integrity and stuff, but no one gives a shit about that part. That's clearly the important part the, because you can't really uh, police that. Right. You don't really know, like, hey man, uh, are you, are you, do you love God and love your neighbor? Like, you know, you can't yeah. tell outwardly. Right. So the, it's but all the outward who things are controlled
1: by guilt. And yeah. Kind of programmed. It's fine. Exactly. Like, exactly. Well, it's there's
0: like- the outwardly stuff that you can tell. It's like in the honor code, it says you have to shave every day. In the honor code, it has stuff about like, uh, you know, sh- short skirts or tight f- fitting clothing, you know? Right. So the youths, every, man, BYU's got a, a, a newspaper, right? Like most college, That's like the number three new college newspaper in the country this is what they brag about all the time they're like uh you know our newspaper program at byu is like top three Ooh. in the nation we and, have your
1: finger on the pulse
0: right well i was like <laughs> well they've got digital whatever it's their journalism a thing i should say instead of newspaper but still i would read their paper and just <laughs> weep for the future of journalism <laughs> i was like how the fuck are you number three You're in the top three in the country? (laughs) This bullshit? Every fucking week, there were letters to the editor in this paper. And every, every... I mean, okay, that's an exaggeration. But a few times every semester, they would publish a letter from some 18-year-old freshman boy who wrote in to be like, "Uh, I... Was on, I was on the quad the other day and I saw a girl wearing yoga pants and I was disgusted. (laughs) To you, what? you signed an honor code, madam. Where, where is your integrity? How dare you uh, walk around and tempting young men with it? I, I came here to learn from from a higher institution at the Lord, and here you are prancing around in your Lululemons and, <laughs> and 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 slowly bringing us all down to hell, and then and every like every few weeks that some a version of that letter was published and then I, and i was like you don't have to print this you guys are making a decision to print this every time this jackass writes him we could you could i'm sure there's another letter that you could print is it have to be this guy every time because then the next week there would, there would be like a, a girl riding in to be like, "How dare you uh stop policing female women's bodies blah 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 and then the week after that there'd be some other jackass who'd be like uh well, all right so i I heard your your darn your your dumb girl opinion and i I thought uh, maybe what you need is some reminders on some scriptures. So here's a list of <laughs> scriptures I think uh, your slutty ass should read to, uh, to better remember. This is all Christ just sexual is always tension, watching. right? This
1: is just a bunch of. Oh, yeah. That, that's just. <laughs> and so,
0: yeah. So this dude. So 18 year old dude sees yoga pants and he wants to fuck. <laughs> But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. He's never, he's never heard anyone say, ooh. Ooh, I'd love to tap that ass. He's never. What he has heard people say is shame women's. He's heard people shame women's bodies before. Right. He's heard, and so like that that feeling, that feeling that I, that maybe other men, uh, other young men would be like, oh, it's time to go to the bathroom and jerk this out. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know what that feeling is, and it turns to to anger, which then like turns to righteous anger, and he's just like. Oh, <laughs> And fuck, man, that's uh, <laughs> there was every not this one it wasn't happening as often. I think uh, there were there was a period where like it got popular, or whatever. But there would be like uh, a some dude at BYU would hand a girl a note, just like a note that was like, and then and then walk away in the library, and then she would read it and start crying because the note was like, "I just wanted you to know that uh, you're dressed in a way." that uh, is bring shame to your household or so something. bullshit. So yeah. This
1: is just like dudes blaming chicks for their boners.
0: Yeah, it's a, it is what it is. I don't think that they know that's what it is. I don't think wow. that they... Wow.
1: We were uh, just talking about how Provo is this well, like, Yeah, with pocket. Jason. Yeah. yeah.
0: Dude, Provo... Provo is weird and Jason put it in a term that I never like really th- cuz I going to Provo has got a it, it feels strange. They talk about it being in the bubble like jokingly or it's like the 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 the, the Mormon bubble or whatever right. but it it feels fiz- when you walk into Provo it feels different. It's got a very stepford wives feel to it. where just everyone's the same. Everyone does the same shit and, and like but Jason put, hit the nail on the head. When he said, "It's just, it's just sexual frustration." That whole town is sexually frustrated. That wow. uh, the entire town. He said they're like
1: aggressively nice.
0: Oh yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah. That they're nice, but in a really, really aggressive way. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah, that sounds like us. And then he was like, "It's because you all need to jizz." And I was like, "Huh? Okay."
1: Wow. So huh. you didn't. Okay, but you were jerking off by this point. Well, you're married by this point, but like. Yeah.
0: Do you... So my BYU experience was different. I And this is why kids it's get married kids really married fast. Well, yeah, BYU. kids get married fast so that they can fuck. Because I, I wonder how much of them, how many of them are having good sex, but right. they're at least having sex. Yeah. Uh But there's still like half the population that isn't married and that's just like, (laughs) (laughs) and so you don't, and you also, they don't, like I said, like you don't know that that's what that feeling is because no one talks to you about that. So you just think that that (laughs) feeling is just, man, I really want to get married. (laughs) God, I can't wait. Like you see a girl that I feel like in in another world, you would say, man, I want to fuck her. uh, uh, But in Provo, it's like, Man, I want to be sealed to her for eternity. <laughs> I want to become gods with her, and uh, I make want to get God sealed babies. all over yeah. her face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I want to, I want to get... into
1: her mouth.
0: <laughs> oh man! Jamie, oh, so, I mean, the, there, so there was all these. There was all these. I think it's still a good example of how you know this this permeates your entire life. And when you step out of it, Mormonism, everything can change if you want it to, you know, you could do everything differently now. How And it, but it does take a while when you step out of a a cult, like you gotta, you gotta deprogram. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, things that you have to, change in your mind even though like it was so weird i was like i don't believe in this anymore but all these things i didn't believe in anymore were still affecting how i how i felt and how i acted and how i am in relationships and all this stuff so there's there's all this there's so much deprogramming to do and that so that's part of it but then the fact that there are so many mormons who are doing it right now there are so many Mormons that are leaving, yeah. all at the same time. So many of us are about the same age, too. I mean, there's people leave at all ages, but right now, there's, there's a ton of people exodus, my yeah. age uh, that are that are heading out, and so a lot of communities have been formed yeah. for for people transitioning out of Mormonism, for people who have left it, for people, you know. And there is a, a fraternity there. Because we all have had such a similar experience, it's just we all were raised in a very similar way, despite like what state or whatever, blah blah blah. Because our parents were Mormon, we all had these really similar experiences, and then coming out into the world, we're all having the exact same similar experiences. So there's a there's a lot of support that you can get from from other ex Mormons, right. and I don't know if other if uh, other churches are like I don't. I, I, Uh, Scott and Jehovah's Witnesses we'd have to ask him but it's like
1: I did I I, uh, spent a lot of time talking to him about it and I'm not uh, he wasn't even sure if there are communities but that whole religion is kind of set up uh, from what I got uh, from one conversation it's set up a lot less community then oh, really? that's something that's
0: great about Mormonism is their is their community I mean they twist it into and they make it into something sick but yeah uh I did I did like and sometimes you miss that I feel like that's part of why there's I mean we were just in uh Mesa which has a very large like healthy ex-Mormon group and right. I think that some of those groups get formed because we miss that community yeah um I I I'm not that big on community. I guess I haven't like joined any of really these groups. I'm like ah, I'm fine. I like to talk to my friends about it. But uh, well, I think you're
1: living in Salt Lake, and so you still even just from Tinder, yeah, you get <laughs> to hang out with a lot of ex Mormons. So uh, I think that's well, where you. Well, this there was,
0: there was that dude in Mesa that we met was like uh, was just t- talking about these. Facebook groups, these XML Facebook groups, that he was like, that's essentially Tinder. Everyone is there to fuck. And I was yeah. like, oh, I should have joined. Are you kidding me? Fuck. I could have, of course they're there to fuck. Why didn't I think about, like I'm getting invited to these like single Mormon transitions in Salt Lake, like some group like this. And I just immediately quiet all these, I'm like, I don't give a shit uh, about the hikes that you guys are doing on Saturday morning. I'm not going to do, but yeah, they were probably fucking on the mountains and I could have been there for the wilderness orgy. And I just was too, too uh, socially anxious to, to go. God damn it. Huh. if y'all had sent me an invite that said yo we be fucking i would have i would have hit interested at least i would have been like "Man, eh, yeah I'm, in, I'm interested but i yeah, had no idea
1: definitely uh that should definitely be in there. but apparently that's just uh you're the only ex-mormon and that doesn't know that
0: uh-huh. yeah uh but all right so but when you're in Mormonism, you've got a tight community. We all of your friends, you meet your friends at church. You help each other move. You uh, take out. A- you look after each other. You take care of each other. There's, uh you know, all you give jobs to each other. You Anytime someone's hiring at work, they just go to church and they're like, hey, uh, you know, someone that needs a job. I got, you know, like and more you, you're in this you're in this club, which I think is cool the thing that gets twisted is that it's you know it's all tied to your your fucking righteousness or something this is also how mormons fall for every pyramid scheme because some other jack like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of bullshit artists who are just pretending to be nice people and mormons are always fooled by that and then always mormons always ignore the good people who uh you know, drink coffee. Like you'd right. be a really good person. Uh, but they, everyone's like, Oh no, I'm not going to let him move into my basement apartment because uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a child of Satan. Uh, but then meanwhile, you there's a take the,
1: coffee that seriously.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. We take coffee Whoa. seriously. But I we didn't connect before. <laughs> so I think that when you leave, I think there's a lot of Mormons who are searching for that community still that want a place to make friends that understand them, that know them know exactly what they're going through. We can suffer together. You can laugh together. Also it's like, it's, So weird being the 30 year old who doesn't know like what kind of alcohol to order at the bar because you've never drunk anything in your life and you're with a bunch of other people who have been drinking since uh, their late teens, you know, so like it's fun to go do all those stuff with the other ex-Mormons who are just as dumb as you are and you guys can learn how to drink together and learn how to smoke together and apparently learn how to fuck together. That's (laughs) what I've been missing out on.
1: So there is uh like loss of identity would be not only like here's the thing that you've been doing and here's the character that you've been playing in life and that everyone knows you by. Because that's something that when I run into someone I haven't seen in five years, they always address me uh, and try to connect with me on whatever, whoever I was at that point, And I'm always just like, hey, how's
0: that diaper anymore? spray ointment going?
1: <laughs> Can how's I talk
0: you- about that yet? <laughs> Is that napkin still in play? <laughs> Tell me about, about your life as like the diaper baroness. <laughs> How has it turned oh, out for you? Oh,
1: man. If only I had the follow through that I have now. I think with the loss of identity, though, it's, it's everything in your life is experienced through this filter of you're a Mormon like every single thing in your life. So you are deprogramming from, and this is another thing that we've talked to like ex-Mormons about is, uh, or on that that one subreddit where they were talking about our podcast and the one Mormon was like, uh, Jess is giving you some pretty fucked up relationship advice right now. And then other Mormon ex-Mormons came in they were like, actually, <laughs> <laughs> the further you get out of Mormonism, the more you're going to find out that this is what, love is and we were taught codependence which i think is a big just this big thing that you Mm -hmm. have to learn uh leaving mormonism which i think you just learned uh by default from the divorce uh, yeah was part of your process you had to
0: learn it you had to learn it (laughs) i don't think i would have learned it any other way
1: (laughs) Really?
0: Nah, man. I just if it stayed in that relationship, I'd we'd still just be in this ugly cycle, just back and I I wasn't I wasn't ever gonna learn. I and I so I I've said before where I think she had to be the bad guy, Tabitha. I feel like she had to be. Yeah. She had to leave there was because I was never gonna do it. I you know we weren't happy and I would have stayed unhappily married my whole life because i felt like that's what love was because i was like wow. i got to i got to i got to just you know keep ch- i got to keep changing myself i got to find a way to make her happy i got you know i just ne- i never would have done anything i think to like make myself happy you know uh we we uh it, it, it fucking breaks my heart i d- wish i wish that we were happy together i wish that we we're happy together, but I can't like we, even still now it's so hard for us to talk to each other. We just, it's at least for me, I can't speak for her, but it's just every time we talk on the phone or anything, it just takes me a while to like unclench my shoulders afterwards. Like I, or sound like sometimes I'll just be so fucking sad for a day or so just from having one conversation with her. And it's, and uh, you know a lot of that's obviously just the divorce but still while we were married we just there's a a combination of us two together that we were uh, our worst selves i wasn't i was awful and she was awful and we make each other awful and that breaks my heart and i would have just stayed uh in that and because she broke up with me and because and then it's just Oh, just intense pain, intense pain, like I never felt before. Just intense, awful pain. I hated it, and I, and I, re- and I. If I could have, I feel like I would have just put our relationship back together, so that I wouldn't have to deal, go through that pain. But now, on the other side of it, I do feel like okay. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to be codependent again, right? I, I also may never like right now, right now I've swung so far to the other side where I'm like, I don't know if i will ever be intimate with another person again. <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can ever be in a relationship again, but at least it, it won't be a codependent. You can't get in a codependent <laughs> relationship if you don't ever get into a relationship. <laughs> think about that.
1: Um, do you think that the pain was caused by the codependency? I mean, obviously the yeah, of, there, of course there's a, like the- yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because that that that. Obviously, there are a lot of things that are painful about divorce. But that that pain I was just thinking about as I was talking, just that awful, unbearable. I want to die. Pain was because uh, half of me was missing. The good half of me was missing. I was left with everything that I hated about us, uh, which was me. Everything I hated about us was me, and it was all that I was left with. And I hated me, and I was unhappy, and I had no tools to use to make myself happier because I did not know how to make myself happy because I'd spent my the last however many years making her make me happy it was her job to make me happy and it was my job to make her happy that's what I worked on I was like I'll change myself and do this and do this and do this for her and then she needs to do this and this and this for me right and so I had I was I had no clue how to take care of myself because I had been so codependent and so here I am left an unhappy mess and no idea how to clean it up it was very very painful you know i had to learn how to i mean i spent a long time just pacing the house just and i i mean uh out of a 24-hour period, most of it was just spent facing my – just all hours of the night, just an empty, an empty apartment because she had taken oh all this stuff, and I would just walk back and forth. I would occasionally go in and check on Ethan in, in his room and and then walk back out, and I just didn't sleep and all this shit because I, I, I had no idea how to fix this, and it was just getting worse. I had to learn how to get out of the house uh, by myself – and like just go see a movie by myself and, be, and 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 like make myself happy i'm like aaron what will make you happy I had to ask myself. I'm like, what, what, what is going to make you happy? What's something you could do for yourself today? I'm like, I would like to get a massage. I started getting so many massages after the divorce. Not even happy ending massages. Like not, <laughs> uh, not like. He, I heard they're not that Yeah. <laughs> not like in a sad, uh, uh, in a sad way or whatever. It was like a really, my massage therapist was my therapist. She was better than my therapist. She, number one, cost less than a, uh, well, I think it gets maybe They cost about the same, but. Uh, your your therapist doesn't even like let you get naked uh, yeah. t- uh, the, your therapist doesn't even touch you and I love touch like, uh, but like uh, Sarah my massage therapist I mean first of all like a massage is relaxing and great right. but Sarah would also just ask me about the divorce and like we would work through shit while she, like during this this 60 minute massage it was fucking great I loved it but I was getting lots of them because it was the like one of the first things that I thought of that would make me I was like well I th- you know I've always wanted to get a massage that would be world. nice that would be cool i remember as a missionary you walk a ton you sleep in terrible cots you uh, and you're i don't know i remember just always being uh, stiff and sore and in pain and i remember saying on the on the mission i'd be like man when i get home you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get a massage And I never did. I talked about getting a massage and then I never got one. And I was always so fucking poor and cheap. And I was like, well, I can't afford to spend uh, $60 just on, uh, you know, something to make myself feel better. And God, yeah, and I wouldn't, I did not. And so like I, when, when I hit rock bottom though, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, man. Money's who cares? You don't have any money. You also don't have a wife. So (laughs) just spend it. And that's like I finally got a massage, and like loved how I felt afterwards. So like I had to teach myself all these things how to take care of myself and make myself happy. And I am still; it's a work in progress. I still get pretty lonely sometimes, and still just like I feel the need to make other people make me happy sometimes. You know, I am like, oh, can't someone else just take care of me and make me happy? And I, uh, I, but for the most part, I think I am doing so much better at being an independent person who, who is in charge of his own feelings and doesn't put that burden on other people and takes care of himself and is generally happier.
1: So I think for you there was a lot, that uh, so many identities, like every single piece of your identity because you also then you were the divorce guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of her leaving uh, coincided with leaving Mormonism. So mm-hmm. this was just all at once. Everything that you ever were was changed yep. overnight. And so that's a huge paradigm shift where I think I find myself shedding. It's not intentional a, a bunch of times. It hasn't been intentional, but very quickly shedding whatever identity I have been in for the last uh, few years and moving on to a different paradigm And i'm comfortable in that i'm i'm more comfortable in that transition we moved uh, a couple years ago and i was the move was a lot we sold the house there was so much work going into selling the house and then uh moved into a, a a much bigger house finally with all those kids and and uh there was just so much transition around that and i remember getting sad like a little bit depressed after that was all done because i like the transition of moving. I like all that change. I like all of the chaos that's around it. I loved right before we moved to LA in order to pull off the move, we had to move into my parents' house for a month because there was uh, too, many, too many moving parts. So we uh, packed up the house, got rid of most of our stuff, moved into my parents' basement where I worked for f- six weeks because I don't have a day job, but I worked for six weeks at a restaurant I used to work at and then uh sent our stuff across the country and then you and i drove across the country and i nothing the dust hasn't really settled since it's just been one thing after another yeah and uh i'm i'm my happiest in that i'm my happiest in uh just flux and i get restless in that was the thing with delaware people just uh they all go to school together their whole lives and then everyone knows everyone and then they they join the union and they work the same job for the rest of their life. And I could never, I'm like from Delaware but also Portland and I could never sit still and that just sounds like a nightmare to me. That just, that sounds, I would rather live in constant uncertainty which doesn't feel like uncertainty to me than play the same character my entire time on this planet that just seems like I would die I, I would I prefer I that's why I love comedy as a career because I'm never it's, it's never fluid. the same thing it's yeah it's constantly changing which is my comfort zone once I feel like I'm good at something and I have settled into it and I understand it I just I don't consciously think about it, but I just move on to the next, and that means a com- yeah, exactly completely different ta- environment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mean, yeah. You're the only people.
0: person I've heard that like talked about quitting meth. Is just like you know I I did it. Uh, I feel like I'd gotten all I could get out of it, and uh, yeah, moved on.
1: Yeah, I don't that you know you have a short attention span when you can't stay addicted to meth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, changing the character you play was a terrifying thought for me, but turned out not being that bad like and i would like to say if you know to to people that maybe are in the same spot as i was in where you're you're holding on because you feel like uh you you're afraid of what's gonna happen you're like i don't want my life to change <laughs> like i was i was i was afraid if i left the mormon church it was like my entire life will fall apart oh no and then i did leave the mormon church and my entire life did actually fall apart my entire (laughs) life fell to pieces like ah my dad was right (laughs) this is what i get but when you after you go through it i mean it's it's hard it was it was scary during that time it was very sad but when you go through it you're just like afterwards you're like oh you feel very strong afterwards yeah. At least I do. I yeah. feel very strong where I'm like, oh, you have, you can't touch me. Yeah. Like I just my entire life just fell apart and I'm and I'm fine. I mean, I'm not fine. But you know, I'm doing okay. And it's just you you're like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. It's when you it's like coming over the the roller coaster and you're so 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 scared and, and it is scary, but then it's over and you're like, Oh, that was that was okay. I'm kinda glad that I did that, you know.
1: Yeah, and the more of more loss and pain you experience in life, the more You know that you're going to be okay. You know when you're in that experience that you're going to be okay. And that it's just a wave that you have to ride. Which just makes you better at dealing with the next pain and the next loss.
0: Yeah. So you guys are going to be okay. And so are we. We'll catch you next week on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. So read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Want to know how to keep your skin looking smooth and wrinkle-free? Join over 3 million people worldwide and try Dermawand Pro. 97% of users saw dramatic improvement with this anti-aging device. A gentle microcurrent stimulates the skin's layers, providing vital nutrients and enriched oxygen. Clinically proven to reduce the appearance of fine lines, wrinkles, and improve skin texture in minutes a day. Stop wasting time with expensive products. Go to Dermawand.com now and use promo code SKIN20 for 20% off free gifts and shipping. Dermawand.com, promo code SKIN20.